Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Nick Saban in the news, and it kind of reminds you of some of the stuff that's been going on here over the course of the offseason. And I realize that by the time we get to August, you know, a lot of folks have done a lot of things, right? Summer's kind of busy for a lot of people. You're kind of bouncing around. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. And sometimes, you know, you sort of forget everything that's kind of transpired in recent months as college football is kind of, you know, as far removed from games being played as it ever is. But of course, around here, we never stop talking college football because really college football never stops. And so for those people who've maybe been less plugged in over the course of the uh, last couple of months, I want to bring you up to speed on why something that happened yesterday involving Nick Saban kind of matters. There's a thing that Georgia fans have sort of noticed. That in the aftermath of Nick Saban losing the national championship game, it sort of seems like he's been making a lot of excuses for why that is. A lot of Georgia fans have had their turn and kind of say, hey, that doesn't sound like the kind of thing that a winner would say or, or, or you know, a leader of men would say. This sort of sounds like excuse making. This sort of sounds like loser talk coming from Nick Saban. And we've kind of chronicled some of that kind of stuff along the way. And there was one moment earlier this summer where it almost seemed like Georgia coach Kirby Smart gave a response to this. Now, he wasn't mentioning Saban in particular, but the words that he used seemed to have a little extra resonance. And we kind of twisted that just a little bit to let that be sort of the response from Kirby Smart to the excuse making that Nick Saban had meant had had been you know uh, d- delivering and let me set this up this way so Kirby earlier this summer was at that celebrity golf tournament which takes place in Birmingham each and every year it's connected to the PGA Tour Champions event one of their majors the region's tradition and the sports radio station in Birmingham WJOX uh, Greg McElroy Cole Kubelik in the morning were interviewing Kirby now Greg actually wasn't there he was playing golf and so this sort of turned into this thing about Greg's golf game the former Alabama quarterback radio host also ESPN analyst but radio host there in WJOX about having to hit on the range before he went to the golf course and things like that and Kirby's joking around with the other host Cole Kubelik joking about Greg they obviously know each other and so Kirby went to this whole deal about how he didn't like any kind of excuse making when it came, in this case, to playing golf. That, listen, uh, you know, Greg, Alabama quarterback, by the way, so there's a little bit of a tie in there on that. You know, don't use the fact that you didn't hit on the range. Don't use all of that. That's just not, you know, uh, what I want to hear. And, you know, Kirby was very emphatic about his distaste for excuses. And we sort of said, well, you know what? This kind of fits in pretty well with some of the stuff that his arch nemesis Nick Saban's been saying over the offseason. So what do you say we sort of construct a, a Kirby response to some of the excuses from Nick Saban? We had some fun with that earlier this summer. Let me give you a reminder for those who may have missed it. All right, we lost the national championship game all right, because basically, you know, we had three corners out, both starters and the best backup. I'm not an excuse guy. All right, so we're playing with some guys that didn't have a lot of experience. And it eventually got us in the fourth quarter. No, like no excuses. All right, and we had the kind of team where we had a really good quarterback, and we wanted to have skill guys that they couldn't guard. So we had two that were really, really good, Mechie and JMO, and they both got hurt. There's nothing worse than letting somebody make excuses. Kirby Smart says there at the end, there is nothing worse than listening to someone make excuses. Well, guess what? To the ears of a lot of Georgia fans, 
It certainly sounded like yesterday that Nick Saban's not done yet when it comes to making a bunch of excuses for what went wrong for his team a year ago. Because ironically, he was back once again on the radio station there in Birmingham, WJOX, and it sort of seemed like yesterday, in the midst of kind of talking about his team for the upcoming season, it sort of seemed like to some Nick Saban made another excuse for why Alabama lost last year. Listen to the description that Saban gave yesterday of his team from 2021 that came up just short in comparison to the Georgia Bulldogs, once again from WJOX. Last year we had kind of a rebuilding year. So we should have nine starters back on offense, nine on defense, but six guys go out early for the draft. So now we have five back on offense and seven back on defense. So that in and of itself creates a few more question marks, but it also creates opportunity for other players to be able to shine in the program and contribute in a positive way. So nobody knows for sure how all this stuff's going to sort of come to fruition, but that, that's the part of the excitement and challenge that we have to try to develop a team so the thing that fires up some georgia fans and i think justifiably so and i would say me included is the idea that nick saban says last year was just a rebuilding year you know listen last year was a rebuilding year we had you know trying to figure some things out whatever else and a lot of georgia fans kind of perk up at that and say hold on this just sounds like just another excuse from you for why your team didn't win the national championship a year ago. And I don't mind telling you this. If Gump Hump 69 had gone on Bama Online and said this there, it'd be on Message Board Geniuses, you know, that Twitter account that kind of makes fun of dumb message board comments. That'd be on Message Board Geniuses within the hour, okay? Because that's how dumb that comment, I believe, is. But somehow when it comes out of the mouth of Nick Saban, there are like these like Saban simps in the media who just lather themselves now. Oh, you done gone and done it. You done made Nick Saban mad. And he's got, you know, a warning for you that last year was a rebuilding year, but he's coming for you here this year. Like, I cannot tell you how silly I think all of that is. And it is not conduct, you know, becoming for a guy like Saban who's supposed to be a leader of men here. The one thing I've told our video audience a couple of times is that the entire fascination for me with Saban this offseason is for as much as he's won, and there's no doubt that Saban has won at the kind of rate that at one point in time I probably thought was impossible in college football. Prior to Nick Saban and the run that he's gone on in Alabama, I don't know that I thought it was possible to kind of win as many championships as he's won. I thought college football was just too tough of a sport to do that. But Saban has actually made the sport, going back to his time there with the Crimson Tide, the first title in 2009, up until now, he's actually made the sport look make winning look easier than it actually is. So Saban is an unprecedented winner, and we don't have any problem around here giving him credit for that, nor do we have any problem giving him credit for being the best coach of all time. I, I just think that's kind of what he is, and he's in the midst of that career here right now. But my fascination with Saban, though, is is for all the winning that he's done, all it takes is one loss to make him sound like any other loser. I mean, it's amazing to me. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Injuries. Rebuilding year. You know, we had uh, hotshot young players that didn't buy into what we were uh, going to do. You know, blaming it all on one of his wide receivers, Jai Hall. He seemingly did that. Uh, certainly plenty. All of this is just sort of the excuse talk that is the hallmark of every loser you've ever known in life. And for all the winning that Nick Saban is doing, he still just sounds like a loser after he just loses one game. It's kind of amazing the gravitational pull uh, that seems to sort of move you in after you lose a game. And Nick Saban not impervious to that, even after all the winning that he's done. So 
we felt the need around here as a way of giving the response to all of this that it deserves to kind of re i guess reboot our little uh you know kirby response here kirby sort of gave his distaste to, uh, earlier this summer to excuses so in honor of that we've kind of rebooted this a little bit in terms of the uh, nick saban excuse making and the kirby smonts uh, terse response so here this is enjoy this last year we had kind of a rebuilding year it's nothing worse than let somebody make excuses now, here's the thing I know. There are a lot of folks right now who are listening to the show and they're busy, right? You're trying to get some work done or maybe you've got kids talking in the backseat as you're driving, whatever else. Not everybody got a chance to hear that. So let me let you hear it one more time. Kirby responding to Saban. Last year, we had kind of a rebuilding year. It's nothing worse than letting somebody make excuses. And then one more time here, because in the state of Alabama, let's face it, their bandwidth not always as good as it could be. Their internet maybe not quite always working as well as it could. There may be some folks in Alabama who haven't quite gotten the signal there yet from Kirby Smart. So one more time for those folks on that there as well. Last year, we had kind of a rebuilding year. It's nothing worse than letting somebody make excuses. Tell them about it, Kirby. Now, let me be serious here just for a moment. If you take Saban at his word, if you take Saban at his word, well, last year was just a rebuilding year. You know, last year, hey, you can't hold last year against us. We were just rebuilding. We're just trying to figure some things out. If you're going to take him at his word on that, I think it's very interesting to see how he has choose to build himself up coming off that rebuilding year. We had uh, one of our commenters on video a moment ago who describes sort of the mercenary element of this Alabama team. A lot of transfers, offensive linemen from Vanderbilt, wide receiver from Georgia, wide receiver from Louisville, uh, running back from Georgia Tech. There's one of our commenters on YouTube who sort of also calls them the East-West Shrine Bowl team because they've sort of like picked this guy from everywhere and kind of bring all these guys together who've never met each other, kind of throw them together like an all-star team and see if they can run out there and you know play some games together. I think it's really interesting that in light of Saban's comment of last year being a rebuilding year, the way in which they um, are building themselves up in the aftermath of last year's so-called rebuilding year has been to kind of go out and get some component pieces from other places. Um, I think it's kind of interesting. It used to be the motto around Alabama football was built by Bama. Now it seems to be it's almost like borrowed by Bama. Hey, we couldn't develop our own running back. Georgia Tech, let us borrow yours. Or, hey, uh, we don't have any wide receivers waiting in the wings after uh, Mechie and Jamison Williams. George, let's borrow one of yours. Or Louisville, let's borrow one of yours. We got to go Vanderbilt to get an offensive lineman. Uh, we got to borrow that guy there. We were in a rebuilding year last year. Now we're going to build ourselves up using guys who are kind of developed at other places. I think that's a little bit um, interesting. And Saban himself in this same interview acknowledges this to a degree. He admits that there are some challenges related to all the transfer players. And he talks about this in other places, but he admits his team's kind of the same way there as well. So this is kind of the serious football point that came out of the comment that Saban said about rebuilding, which is that, hey, when you look around, nobody really knows how well all these transfers are going to work together, including the ones that are supposed to sort of get Alabama over the hump of the embarrassment of what he calls a rebuilding year from 2021. This is Saban again from yesterday. I, I think maybe people don't realize that even when we did summer scouting reports this year on other teams, much more difficult to figure out how all the changes on, on a roster is going to really impact the success of a team. You have, you have teams in our league that have 10 to 15 new players, not recruits, not people that you recruited and know what kind of players they are, but people that came from other conferences and other parts of the country that you really don't know a whole lot about. 
we have five guys on our team that all could make a significant impact. Those that have been here have made an impact in a positive way. So how that's going to impact our team and other teams is really probably a question mark that I'm sure a lot of coaches are wondering about. So let me try to make sort of a serious point as objective as I possibly can here to kind of wrap up all of this. I said this yesterday. If somebody wants to predict Alabama to be better than Georgia, that's a valid opinion that may turn out to be true. They played twice last year. Alabama won once. Georgia won once. In the previous meeting, since Kirby's been at UGA, Alabama has won those. So it's not like you are without evidence to suggest that Alabama could be the best team in the country for this upcoming season. And maybe Alabama plays so well this year that it does make 2021 look like a so-called rebuilding year. That's obviously a possibility for Alabama this upcoming season. We don't deny that. But once again, when you look at the unanimous way in which Alabama is sort of being treated as a sure thing, they're going to be the preseason number one in every poll. I don't think anybody is considering what Saban acknowledges right there, that in the so-called need to rebuild or reload or at least replenish the roster with guys uh, who are no longer at Alabama, they had to go to other programs to get those guys. And Football is a team sport, and in team sports, chemistry matters. And sometimes, you see this in the NBA all the time, sometimes the so-called super team doesn't quite come together the way that it's supposed to. And there's at least some chance that uh, that is also true for Alabama here. In other words, when people look at Georgia, they seem to see these sort of obvious issues, at least in their mind, of, oh, you got to score more points, or, oh, you got to replace, you know, what you lost on defense a year ago. These flaws, as certain people seem to... to see them are, are are too glaring to make Georgia the preseason number one team and somehow seemingly everybody has a unanimous opinion about that which I always think is kind of weird but when it comes to a program like Alabama much the same way we talked about yesterday about uh, Ohio State getting undue benefit of the doubt when it comes to a program like Alabama it's almost as if Nick Saban because of all the winning that he's done has earned the benefit of the doubt of well, well, Saban's going to figure out how to use all these transfers together. This won't be a problem for Nick Saban because he's just sort of leveraging the modern tools of the game to kind of benefit himself right now. But Saban says right there, hey, it's not quite so easy. You got to figure out how all these guys play together. And the teams that have even more transfers than we do, they're going to have to figure that to an even greater degree than we do. Saban said that in his own words right there. And I think folks should take that seriously. Nick Saban says last year was a rebuilding year. I don't think many people believe that, but let's just take him at his word there for a moment. The fact that he has chosen to rebuild his team with component parts borrowed from other places is not a sure thing. And it's not obvious that this is going to work to the degree of winning a national championship. We may find that out ourselves coming up in just a few months. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Meriwether and Tharp and Glad to have you with us today no matter how you get to us live on video 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch or on the radio at noon Athens sports radio 960 the ref or a podcast apple spotify all the various podcast platforms lots of ways for you to get in touch with the program we just really appreciate you doing that no matter how uh you choose to make our show a, a part of your life we're just glad you do and we are so thankful for our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it possible there as well. Uh, they're going to be a part of our Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate coming up. Pretty much all the fun stuff we do, Meriwether and Tharp's a big part of that because we love Bob and his wife, Ashley, uh, one of the partners there. And we love a lot of the folks who uh, obviously work there at Meriwether and Tharp. And we're grateful to have fun with them. We're grateful, you know, for all that kind of stuff. But also the thing that we love there as well, for times in life when things are not quite so much fun, 
Um, well, you know, Meriwether and Tharp is certainly there for you there on that. We're talking about divorce. It's one of those words that just kind of has a little extra heavy weight to it, sort of stops you in your tracks when you hear it. And I do realize that. And I think when you find yourself in um, the situation of a divorce, it sort of feels like sometimes like a lose-lose situation. Like, you know, just even acknowledge you have to go through this sort of makes you feel like that, that there's a loss on the uh on the you know the horizon for you and while the relationship itself may be coming to an end you can set yourself up to win in the future based on how you handle this situation right now there's obviously things that, that you maybe wish weren't true about the present moment but you can deal with this in the present to make the future really look like the kind of win that you want it to look like and that's what Meriwether and Tharp is all about that's why I cannot recommend them more heartily and why I really encourage you even if this is something you're even thinking about as a possibility for you educate yourself about the process you owe it to yourself to know the facts here you owe it to yourself to know kind of what's at stake and what's going on and how you can leverage this current moment for for a better future for yourself the website the atlanta divorce team.com gives you a chance to do that that's the atlanta divorce team.com you see tons of free resources you see a chance to connect with one of their attorneys with a free initial phone call conversation and after that you can make the decision to hire meriwether and tharp and allow them to leverage the law for your benefit that's what they do they're the atlanta divorce team.com you can find them online uh there the atlanta divorce team.com meriwether and tharp your source for georgia divorce all right here's what we're going to do coming up in just a couple of minutes time we're gonna have terrence edwards on the program here today and while terrence is on the show i'm going to make an announcement to all of you that i'm really proud of something that a lot of you've been asking about when we're going to do this ba well today we're going to tell you when we're going to do it we're going to do that here coming up in just a uh, few moments so that is really fun before that though let's go around the doghouse here today of course it's uh presented today by our friends at serve pro glad to have them on board on the uh, program here today that's always a uh, lot of fun to have serve pro uh, back with us again for the 2022 season and i want to go back to something we talked about just briefly a little bit yesterday which is georgia defensive lineman jalen carter and the one thing that we've kind of said about jalen carter is you know what if he really does achieve at his sort of top end level projection there's no doubt that carter is thought to be I think right now the face of the Georgia roster, I think he's recognized as the best player on this team based on what he's done in his career up to this point in time. But what if he, and the comparison that was made yesterday was with Quinnen Williams. What if he has kind of a Quinnen Williams type year? That's what Pro Football Focus mentioned uh, for him yesterday. And we talked about how if you're talking about that kind of year for Jalen Carter, you're talking about a big statistical year. You're talking about eight sacks you're talking about you know nearly 20 tackles for loss you're talking about a monstrous statistical year if that's what's out in front for carter here this year and for a georgia team that obviously has a lot of stats to replace on its defense this is a defense last year that didn't necessarily i think adopt a defensive posture they weren't just trying to stop something from happening the way that you commonly think of defenses doing they were going on the football field trying to make something happen force a turnover uh, uh, you know, wreak havoc in the backfield, get a sack, get a tackle for loss. They were an offensive-minded defense, if you will. And Carter, in kind of a Quinnen Williams role, would be certainly a way to kind of replenish what Georgia does not have from uh, last year's team. Well, it's kind of interesting. Another day and another comparison between Carter and Quinnen Williams and a couple of other big-time players there as well. Because what Jordan Reed, an analyst working for ESPN.com, has said recently is there is a case to be made along with some other players there too but in this case we're going to focus in on uh, Jalen Carter 
there is a case to be made that Jalen Carter could be the number one overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. I want to read you here just a couple of sentences from uh, Jordan Reed when it comes to uh, Jalen Carter. He says, the last time a defensive tackle was selected with a top pick overall came in 1994 as the Bengals drafted Dan Wilkinson. He says, uh, Ndamukong Sue, number two overall in 2011, Marcel Darius, number three overall in 2011, and Quinnen Williams, who we talked about, number three overall from the 2019 draft, They're the closest we've seen to a repeat of that this century. He says Carter is cut from a similar cloth and a prospect in a similar tier. Once again, that's Jordan Reed there from ESPN.com. Very interesting look at how Jalen Carter could become the next dog after Trayvon Walker a year ago to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. I said before, whether he goes like eighth overall, ninth overall, first overall, whatever, barring some sort of horrible unforeseen circumstance, Jalen Carter is going to be not just a first round pick this upcoming spring, but a very high first round pick that essentially seems to be the kind of prospect to use Jordan Reed's word prospect tier he sort of exists in. But it's the kind of player that Reed compares him to that once again kind of gets my juices flowing here a little bit. Quinnen Williams was a big stat guy for Alabama. And Damakong Su, going back to his time in Texas AM, was definitely a big stat guy there for them. These were impactful players that showed up in the stat sheet, something that not always defensive linemen do. But as we said, the best defensive linemen in the SEC do seem to bring a lot of stats with them. That's what Javon Kinlaw did in his final season in South Carolina. That's what Derek Brown did uh, throughout his career there at Auburn. These were guys that were not just you know athletic specimens and run stoppers and things like that, but they were also impactful guys in terms of interior pass rush and getting after the quarterback. And I don't have to tell you this because most of you know enough about football to know this. When you do have a dominant pass rush coming from up the middle – it just has the potential of causing your entire uh, you know, offensive sort of blocking scheme to collapse, right? Because all of a sudden you're moving bodies around. All of a sudden you're creating more opportunities off the edge. And all of a sudden that Georgia defense that showed a lot of teeth a year ago, if Carter has the kind of year that's being described there, it becomes a lot less difficult to imagine how Georgia could replicate a whole lot of that for this upcoming season there too. Maybe not as good as the 2021 defense. But as we've said before, the goal is not to be as good as Georgia was in 2021. The goal is to be as good as it needs to be in 2022. And to have a guy described by an analyst on ESPN as the possible number one overall pick, that's a pretty good first building block to maybe go out there and get that done. That is around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServePro. And I love what ServePro does for the folks in our audience. Such an important thing and so glad to have them back with us as we tell about the fact they offer that cleanup opportunity for you when it comes to fire damage, water intrusion, things like that. You see a mess around the house. Our friends at ServePro can step up and their restoration specialists can clean it up literally like it never even happened. That's what you want, right? When you see these, you know, things happen you know you you love your home it's an emotional connection for you when you see it damaged you want to kind of wave a magic wand and make it all disappear well surf pro can basically do the next best thing for you then get you back on your feet uh so when fire or water damage strikes i want you to call surf pro to help you immediately they're going to set it up and clean it up like it never even happened the great thing here is all their franchises for surf pro are independently owned and operated that means you're doing business with someone who's got just as much of a stake in the outcome as you do this isn't some company that's got you know no concern look treat you like a number something like that no these are independently owned and operated uh uh you know companies here you know each each of the surf pro uh, folks uh, all their franchises that's the way they're going to take care of you uh like you matter like you care like your home is just as important to them as it is to you that's what surf pro is all about 
So check them out. Servpro.com. It's spelled S-E-R-V. Servpro.com. They're going to clean up your water damage, your fire damage, the things that happen around your home. They're going to clean it up for you like it never even happened. So check out Servpro today online. Servpro.com. Once again, S-E-R-V. All right. So let me tell you what we're about to do here. We're going to bring on Terrence Edwards. We're going to do a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with him. That's really fun. And I was telling our video audience this before. So I am not going to be in Athens today when Kirby Smart does his introductory press conference to kind of kick off the 2022 season. I'm here with all of you here in the studio. So I was kind of thinking about the questions I would ask of Kirby if I was there. And since I can't ask them to Kirby, I'm going to ask them to Terrence Edwards here. We're going to kind of see where all of that goes. Also, while Terrence is on the phone, I'm going to make a big announcement for a lot of you who've been asking, B.A., when you all going to do blah, blah, blah? Well, I'm going to tell you today when we're going to do it. It's a, a lot of fun. It's a busy show. We've got some great stuff going on, and we're glad to have you with us for it. In fact, let's do it right now. Terrence Edwards, a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update right here on Dog Nation Daily. Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. So we'll say hello to Terrence Edwards here. Always great to have him on the program. Marlo's Tavern Insider Update as we kind of get things going with him here a little bit. And Terrence, today's a big day for the Georgia Bulldogs getting out, starting those uh, fall camp practices, you know, kind of working on themselves, doing those fundamental type drills and kind of cleaning things up. Uh, prior to what will eventually become preparations for the Oregon Ducks. I'm guessing as a former player yourself, it's almost like your body clock never really changes. I'm guessing you kind of get some of those same sort of butterflies and that sort of nervous tension that kind of defines all players this time of year. I'm sure you probably still get some of those twitches going on, right? Well, most definitely. You know, as, a, as a football player, even now with my coaching, I still get the, the itch to go and, and play and itch to get ready for a season and the anticipation of, Football is back, man. Let's let's go out and you know I, I think a lot of people have selfish goals, which you should have selfish goals going through the season. And if you use them selfish goals in a team aspect, then you're going to put the best version of yourself out there. So it, it's it's very exciting, especially for the incoming uh, freshmen who didn't go through a uh, spring ball. That you know, that understanding college practice versus high school practices is just different. So the anticipation of College practice versus college, uh, high school. It's, it's a lot going on. And for a guy who doesn't understand this, it could be nervous. It could be nerve wracking. Well, I heard uh, uh, Nolan, Re- uh, Nolan, Re- Nolan Smith say that at one point in time, back at SCC Media a couple of weeks ago, that at one point he and even Nicobe Dean were talking about this. Now, these are two guys. Uh, Nolan's a very good player for Georgia right now. Nicobe's sort of a historically good Georgia player. Uh, but uh, Nolan was saying at SEC Media Days that at one point in time, he and Nicobe both early in their college careers were like, what have we gotten ourselves into? This is hard. Like, you know, and these are like amazing athletes. These are elite recruits. And even for guys like this, the start of those first college practices were so overwhelming. And it had them asking some tough questions about themselves of, wait, am I really cut out for all of this? Because this is really, really hard. I mean, you know, that gives you an idea of just how challenging all of this is that even guys that eventually thrive kind of go through that moment where they're left to wonder oh boy is this you know did i fully understand how hard this was actually going to be i don't think you really understand how hard it is until you get there and get in it i i i, I wish that the just the casual fan had the opportunity to go through just one practice and understand the tempo understand what your body has to go through it, it's shocking it's shocking to your body to uh 
what you're going through. And, uh, you know, that's why I don't criticize players and everyone uh, that often because I understand the hard work goes into it. Uh, but that's the game that we chose to play, and that's the hard work you have to put in. And I tell people all the time, uh, football ain't for everybody. It, it is not for everybody. That's an awesome team game. We may have had a little bit of a cell issue with Terrence. We'll see if we can uh, – Terrence, are you there? We, we kind of lost you there for a moment. Yeah. Okay, now I'm, he's back. I'm here. Yeah, but I, I totally agree with the point you're making. It's not for everybody. And I think the, the hard part of this probably is, okay, so you work hard just to get through that practice, and then you got to go to sleep and wake up and do the same thing all over again, and then every other day after that for like the next foreseeable future, the fact that you get through it and then have to sort of turn around and just do it all again, that's where the grind kind of comes in, right? Most definitely. I was at uh, just recently, um, had an opportunity to work with Buck Ballou at his quarterback camp, and I was just telling some campers there that once you uh, step foot on campus, your life is mapped out for the next three or four years, and it's very repetitive. Every day, wake up, practice, school, study hall, eat, find some time for social life, go to bed, wake up, and do it all over again. So your life is basically mapped out for the next three or four years and it's a grind i mean it's very tough trying to get up in the morning knowing you got 5 30 a.m workouts and you got to be on their time now, matt drill's doing the one like it is very tough and it's, it's not for the week i tell you that it's not for uh the week and it's a lot i've seen a lot of people quit and they thought they wanted but they, they walk away from it no, I think that's exactly right so one of the things i was kind of thinking about going into the start of georgia practices is kind of a theme around things that have happened around Georgia recently and trying to figure out if that's a coincidence or not. I don't know why that theme has kind of been in my mind, but that's what I've been kind of wondering about. And so I wanted to sort of pose a couple of those questions to you here today. For instance, last year we saw a huge breakout season from Brock Bowers. Now, it just so happens that coincided with a injury situation for Darnell Washington, who was a tight end that a lot of folks were really excited about. But at the beginning of the season, he was kind of taken away from UGA. Do you think that the breakout season for Brock Bowers kind of happened in part because there weren't balls going the direction of Darnell Washington because he was injured and not out there? Or do you think a guy like Brock was probably destined to do all that no matter what? I think he's destined to do it. But I think with the injury is now, it's moved his acceleration up even uh, farther than it would have. Darnell Washington is a heck of a tight end. I think people lose sight of that. Very different than Brock. Uh, he's six seven, six eight, and Brock is, you know, just a speed demon. So two different types of tight ends, but very effective in their own right. So I think Brock uh, probably wouldn't have broke my record. I'm just putting it if Darnell would have been there. But we saw something that I saw early on that Brock is a, a heck of a tight end, man. And with his uh, catching ability and his speed, I tell you this, I, I could be wrong, but I only seen Brock drop one pass this all year. Yeah. I think that was in the SEC championship game against Alabama. One pass all year, that, that is a, a heck of a kick rate radius for him. And, uh, now with the weapons around him, with Eric and, and Darnell coming back full strength, uh, I, I think you just see more to come with, with that rule, period. Once again, along the idea of kind of a coincidence, you know, the last couple of years, Georgia has had a rushing attack that's a little bit more, been more kind of by committee. You've seen four guys get a similar number of carries. But if you want to go back to the best versions of the rushing attack at Georgia, this is like 2017, 2018, when you had two guys, a tandem of backs, who were getting far more carries than the uh, rest of the folks were. Is this a coincidence? In other words, does Georgia need to get back to identifying its two best running backs and feeding them the majority of carries? 
or do you think they can have as potent a rushing attack as they need to giving three or maybe even four guys the kind of carries they've been distributing the last couple of years i just think each, each back carries a different skill set um so you just need to feed off whatever skill set bring i think uh milton is your, your bigger bruiser guy he's big he I, I didn't realize he was that big so i walked up on him and kenny mcintosh is another guy that can make you miss in the open field and He's uh, very reliable in the past game. Now, I'm ready to see Jay John Elton be able to get some carries and limited action that he's had. He's been, he's impressed me a lot. Of course, his last name is Elton, so he would would impress me. <laughs> uh, but then I'm also I'm ready to see the, the two freshmen we got. I've seen some pictures of Robin Kidd, and I was telling someone the other day there's no way an 18 year old should look like that. Yeah. And he is man, he, he's a good looking kid. And I and I have a guy, and I'm, I was going to tweet this the other day. Just I've had. I know a guy that I played with in the Canadian Football League, and he trains the other uh, incoming running back. Yeah, Andrew Paul. And Paul. Paul. And he said, Terrence, he got it. And I'm just waiting to see the camp. I want to see it with my own eyes. But I've heard from a guy that I trust very well say that Andrew Paul had it. So I'm excited to see those guys as well. But I just think your top two guys with, with Milton and McIntosh got this probably see the bulk of the carriers with, with Jay John getting some carries as well. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a running back by committee. I just think you got to just get the best out of everyone and use their skill set to the best of their ability. And, and, and kind of a lot of that, you know, Robinson and Paul were both not only incoming freshmen, these are also like traditional summer arrivals for UGA. They were not early enrollees. Sometimes the perspective I think we have is, well, it's a little bit easier to play running back as a freshman, especially if you look like Branson Robinson, first of all. And, you know, Andrew Paul's not a not a you know a small guy in his own right. But, you know, we, we've all seen those photos of Robinson lately where he's really rocked out. But the I think the perspective sometimes is, well, it's a little easier to make that transition as a freshman running back. But you've also got like blitz pickup and things like that. There are certainly responsibilities. From your perspective, obviously being on the offensive side of the ball, how easy is it for a guy at a running back position to step in and be a contributor as a freshman? Is that a position where you have a little easier path to playing time maybe than some other spots? I think so. I think so. I just think the biggest thing is is knowing who to block uh, blitz pickup, and that's uh, what summer camp is for. That's what the game plans is for. That's why you have your individual meetings. Uh, but when you just carry the ball, now it's just instinctual. You've been, been a running back, been able to carry the ball your whole, your whole entire life. So that's the easy part. The, the part that you really have to, uh, be very, very, uh, astute on is blitz pickup. Cause now blitz pickup is a little different than high school. And these guys who are blitzing are not, <laughs> uh, little guys. They're, they're 225 to 30 pounds and they're running full speed trying to knock you over. So, you really have to understand the base, the leverage, and who you're blocking, and not just how to block it, who you're blocking. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be that guy getting, getting steps and killed, and coaches don't trust it. That's the easy way not to get on the field. So it's just a blitz pickup. That's probably the most challenging for an incoming person. But just running the ball is probably the easiest transition of all the positions. I think one of the most interesting players in this team this year on the other side of the ball for a moment is Jamon Dumas-Johnson. I think it's fairly commonly assumed by a lot of Georgia fans that Jamon Dumas-Johnson has a chance to be a very good player. We've even had a lot of Georgia players who've given him a pretty high level of praise. But when you look at that spot that he occupies, kind of that inside linebacker for UGA, you know, guys who've really had phenomenal years there before, Buckus Award type years, N'Kobe Dean and Roquan Smith, these were year three players when they had – 
that level of success. Uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson just going to be a year two player here this year. And yet when you think about the great years that Dean and Roquan both had, those were also the best team years that Georgia's had there as well. Both of them college ball playoff years as a for instance. So I kind of wonder, is that a coincidence or do you think, uh, Terrence, there is something about this Georgia defense that almost requires that elite inside linebacker play to be the best it can possibly be? Because that's what the best Georgia teams have had, that national award winning inside linebacker. I'm going to take it back to this and, and with those two guys, with Jacoby Dean and uh, Roquan Smith, it's not their talent that got them that. It's their leadership ability. Their their leadership ability is what set that team apart, in my opinion. He can go in. You're going to be taught very well to go be able to sideline, sideline, make tackles, identify plays, and go make this, those plays. But their leadership that those guys that do, that's what took those defenses over the top for me. So it's not – the ability of Dumas is we can be that leader that those two guys was. And I thought that, that is what set those two guys apart. I mean, the linebacker that I played with, Tony Gibb, was yeah. the leader of that defense. That's why we were so good that year because when when your leader is that middle linebacker and he commands respect from all the other 10 guys, your defense is going to follow him. So he has to be that leader, the hardest worker, the guy who put in the work film-wise. So he has the opportunity to study and, and watch the COVID the way he moves and hopefully he learned a lot from the COVID uh, to get now he's going to be that guy so he has to understand the responsibilities that comes with that position. I think it's exactly right. I want to ask you another question about another Georgia player on defense here in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks, this is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with Terrence Edwards. And a lot of you have been asking now for a while, B.A., when is Dog Nation going to be back at Marlowe's Tavern once again? Well, guess what? we got a big event coming up at Marlowe's Tavern very soon to kick off the 2022 season. And I am so excited about this. It's one of our favorite Marlowe's Tavern locations because they got a huge space. They can handle a lot of dog fans. We've had some big parties here in the past and no bigger party than this one to kick off Georgia's year as the reigning national champions. What a great time that's going to be. Our 2022 season kickoff event taking place Thursday, September 1st at 6 p.m. That's going to be at the Marlowe's Tavern in the Dunwoody Village Shopping Center there. So it's the Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody. The address here is 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. That's 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. We're going to be there Thursday, September 1st, starting at 6 p.m., uh, we are so happy to be back doing this again. So happy to be able to see so many of you out there in person for that. It's going to be an incredible way to kind of lead into the first game for Georgia against the Oregon Ducks there on that Saturday. Uh, a lot of surprises, a lot of special things on hand there for that day. So we'll tell you more about it as we get ready. But go ahead and, as they say, save the date here. September 1st on a Thursday night there at the Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody, 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. We are looking forward to being there for that. And Terrence, one question I wanted to sort of get with you before we uh, say goodbye to you is I've talked a lot about Jalen Carter the last couple of days and you know Carter gets all kinds of like early NFL draft buzz I mean we've had ESPN dude saying he may be the number one overall pick how important is that for a team to kind of have that guy who may truly be a superstar player and I don't want to try to put too much on him because you've obviously got to go out there and you know and stay healthy and, and, and do that and kind of you know take your game to the next level I'm not trying to like put the cart before the horse here but if things go according to plan Jalen Carter will be a great player Jalen Carter will be uh, a household name if he isn't already and there are moments for every team in every season where adversity strikes 
whether it be like in basketball when you kind of turn to that superstar who was willing to take that last shot for you or football that person that sort of knows you're going to bail you out in a tough jam or whatever else how important is it to have a guy like Jalen that's kind of the face of the program at least the face of the defense that hey when things get tough it's just good to know you got a great player there on your side Jalen kind of in that role for UGA here this year how important do you think that is so before I answer a question, I, I have to say this here. When Jeff Santel had me on like two years ago or three years ago when these guys was incoming freshmen with him and Jermaine Burton and all that class, and Jeff asked me, Terrence, who's going to be the best player in this class? And if this is on record, this is documented. I told Jeff, Jalen Carter is going to be the best player in this class. Terrence, is it outside from people? Yes. Jalen Carter, I saw this in high school. To a guy to be that big, that that powerful, but have the skill set of a tight end because he played a lot of running back, fullback. I saw it then that this guy would still be a special player. And I said it then that he will be the best player in this class coming out of high school. And he's having uh he showed us that he's a special player. He he he's quick, he's fast. Man, I I'm I'm really excited about now he's the anchor. You know, mm-hmm. Jordan Davis gone and and he's a he's a damn good dog in his right, but I think Jalen just have a little bit more special skill set than Jordan um, has, and to have a guy like that that's a face of your program, the the leader of the defense on that D line, and other guys now just have to follow his lead. If he goes out and just do what he he have done and been that dominant player, um, and having that push up the middle, the outside guys with Nolan and Robert Bills should have one-on-one coverage and yeah. the double team should go to him. So he's gonna he's gonna have to beat double teams. He's gonna have to show that. But Robert Bill and, and Nolan should now have one on one coverage and now it's up to them to have that push from the outside because Jalen's gonna have that push from the inside. So this guy is ultra talented. I saw this coming out of high school. I know you love basketball. Do you remember the videos of him when he was still in high school and like the dunks he was doing like to see a big guy getting off the floor like that I mean in in a lot of ways that's almost that's almost like all you need to see I I know your uh, former teammate Thomas Davis was kind of brought to Georgia on the basis of a a basketball you know film there as well or or seeing in person playing basketball that sometimes when you watch one of these big football style athletes and they're moving that well on the basketball floor in some respects that's sort of all you really need to know Right, you just look at Trayvon Walker. Yeah, this high school team won like a hundred games in a row. That's He's right, a part of that. So, you know, having a guy that big, that fast, that agile, and it only translates onto the football field. So. Uh, I think he's going to be a top 10 pick as long as he stays healthy. Let's knock on some wood. Um, but he, he's an ultra talented guy that I saw come out of high school, and he just has the skill set to take over games, just like Jordan Davis. But now it's just going to be in a different way uh, than Jordan did it. Well, you've got an eye for talent because of all the time you've spent around the high school game. And speaking of that, doing a great job working there with the Milton program. Obviously, a little bit of a new look Milton program this year, new first-year uh, head coach over there and everything else. But you're also doing some uh, great stuff there as well with your personal coaching uh, each and every day, the uh, Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. For folks who want to get more of that, find you on social media. How can they reach out to you? Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms, Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, thanks so much for being here with us for our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. We'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, Terrence is right. 
these defensive linemen who are good at basketball, like that's a sure thing as you get right there. And I, a lot of you have been around with this for years. You know, there's nothing I love more than watching um, football prospects play basketball. There's just something kind of cool about that. I love the way in which the rim just sort of snaps when a football player dunks at the high school level. I think it's great to see. And uh, there's some good highlights out there of um, of football players playing basketball. But some of that stuff from Jalen Carter back in the day. That's about as good as you're going to see from the uh, football player on the basketball floor. Uh, no disrespect to any of the other folks who've done it, but uh, Jalen was about as good as there was when it came to all of that. we got a, a couple of fun things here for you before we're done today. We've got uh, another opportunity for you to hear about our Kroger 5-Star Kid winner. That's fun stuff. Also, a really cool thing the Dog Nation's teaming up with for the Atlanta Braves on. We'll tell you about some of that before we're done here today there as well. A lot of SEC news to get to here, too. Uh, but before that, let me remind you that we are a cruiser on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me also remind you that we are coming to the conclusion, so you got to act now for a great savings opportunity from our friends at Royal Caribbean. This week, you can take advantage of a couple of cool offers. 30% off cruisers when you book a cruise, and kids sail free there as well. So you've been hearing me say, well, BA, I know how much fun you have on these Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. I know how much you love that. And you maybe have been kind of waiting for your time to sort of make your move. Y'all, this is it. This is a great time to take your family, whether you're kind of planning some sort of you know fall vacation or you start thinking about the holidays or early 2023 or whatever else. You can book it now and sail, obviously, later on. Uh, but take advantage of this great savings opportunity. 30% off cruisers, kids sail free, some really cool sale opportunities right now. So... Uh, whether it's a three or four night you know, trip to the Bahamas that includes a stopover at Perfect Day, Coco Cay, one of these seven night sailings, perhaps on an Oasis class ship and all the fun stuff that goes along with that. So many great things to do via a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you out with all of that. So check them out online, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. You can also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. 8300 they got you covered uh to get you booked up and get great savings on a royal caribbean cruise vacation all right so we got something uh really cool to tell you right now which is that football is back i don't mean like figuratively i mean literally tonight is the hall of fame game in canton ohio and not only does it provide us a chance to see 11 on 11 tackle football in its real form or at least as close to the, as the preseason provides but also a couple of former dogs in the mix here, too. Jacksonville against Las Vegas. That means Trayvon Walker on the one side. That means Zamir White, the recent draft pick of the Raiders, on the other side. So we have made it, folks, for all the time through, you know, these months where there's really no – there's plenty of football conversation, but there aren't any football games. Well, for now, until, you know, the cows come home, we are going to have football in our lives, preseason football kicking off tonight. So I know a lot of you are looking forward to this and getting a glimpse of those dogs and – Honestly, a lot of other storylines there as well in this game, whether it be the very crowded situation when it comes to quarterbacks in the AFC West, that's the division the Raiders occupy, or year two for Trevor Lawrence, the aftermath of the uh, uh, you know uh, Urban Meyer debacle there for the Jaguars. So this game is kind of rich in storylines in its own right, but for dog fans, a chance to see Trayvon, a chance to see Zamir White. Uh, the Hall of Fame game tonight, check your local listings for... <laughs> you know uh further details but uh fun to see uh pro football back in canton ohio here tonight also speaking of football on tv there's this guy on twitter and and like a lot of people don't really even remember this but back in like the 90s and early 2000s there was a guy named rudy martsky 
who was a big TV sports critic type guy, wrote for USA Today, kind of had the market cornered on covering TV and sports. And so there's this guy now on Twitter who's like fake Rudy Martsky, basically kind of doing the same sort of shtick, but not the actual Rudy Martsky doing that. And he put out a bunch of stuff yesterday about, you know, announcers for the upcoming games. So this is, I don't believe, the official release. But uh, according to fake Rudy Martsky on Twitter, the broadcasters for the Georgia-Oregon game going to be Sean McDonough play-by-play, Todd Blackledge doing the color there on that. So pretty good broadcast team for that 330 spot between Georgia and Oregon. It's it's a big game, so you'd sort of expect to have uh, kind of a big thing for that. We lost our SEC through music. That's probably not the end of the world. Uh, I don't don't believe it ran out. I think it just stopped playing. So, uh, but nonetheless, uh, we can roll on without that. Uh, But the point is, is according to fake Rudy Marzi on Twitter, it's it's McDonough, it's Blackledge there for uh, that game coming up for Georgia and Oregon. Thought it was funny that Chris Doring, the SEC network analyst, great former Gator, has been kind of making the rounds as of late. Pretty critical of Florida fans, which listen, if uh, if if Doring wants a spot here in Dog Nation, if he, uh, we'll we'll certainly bring him on board here if uh, if he wants to join us in being critical of Florida fans. But basically, what um, Doring has kind of said here is is that Florida fans have shown too much impatience with the start of the Billy Napier era, and may not surprise you. I sort of see this a little bit different way. Now, listen, I love the idea of criticizing Gator fans. I I enjoy that, but I think there's a case to be made here. Is that the impatience that Florida fans have shown, I think it's actually spurred Florida on to do a little bit better. I mean, listen, I think that Florida is one of those programs that for a long time has kind of lived on its history, you know, and listen, they've won national championships under two different head coaches. That's that's not an insignificant history. At one point in time, Florida would have been considered a great program back in the Meyer age, back when Steve Spurrier was there. And yet it doesn't take long for this to happen. You sort of blink your eyes and it occurs all of a sudden your success is a long time ago you know it's one of those things where everything is sort of fine and like you're just kind of in the immediate aftermath of your glory years and then another cycle kind of passes through and another cycle kind of passes through and another cycle kind of passes through and all of a sudden you're like oh gosh current recruits don't even remember tim tebow they don't remember urban meyer they certainly don't remember danny werfel and and steve spurrier and while the administrators who've been around florida maybe they sort of remember those glory years and gotten fat and happy because of it the actual current state of the program is not very good and that's why you're looking at a new head coach here so kind of pushing this team on to be better accepting no excuses for losing quarterback recruit to miami whatever else some of the hysteria that gators fans have shown this season has actually probably been kind of useful as a source of motivation for the program i think they've recruited far better after the near revolt from a couple of weeks ago than they were prior to that and if i'm guessing that's probably not a coincidence but uh nonetheless speaking of uh former coaches tommy tuberville now a u.s senator we don't talk politics around here but it is interesting to see some movement. And Tuberville's also been making the rounds as of late. Apparently, he and Joe Manchin, who's a senator from West Virginia, might be talking about trying to come together on what might be some NIL legislation. Now, this is a long way away from actually being a real thing, but it's at least a possibility, so much so that some folks are talking about it. I am in favor of this. I think some sort of like federal intervention to people say level the playing field. I don't necessarily even want to use that phrase for me it's more about kind of eliminating some of the chaos 
you do not have a sport without rules like every game you've ever played board game card game whatever else it requires rules to be a game it requires rules to be a sport without rules you have no competition whatsoever so what is the framework of that competition for college sports right now um you know having some sort of federal intervention on that i actually don't think would be such a bad thing and while some people say that's never going to happen i don't know that i necessarily believe that although that's probably a different topic for a different day but there are at least some rumblings of that out there uh wanting to make you aware of that and that's as close to politics as we're going to get and we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean now coming up in a moment i want to give you what is at least for now a little bit of bad news for a Georgia commit. We'll talk about that coming up. Before that, though, let me uh, tell you about our Kroger five-star winner for today. Excited to announce that uh, Chris Brown is our Kroger five-star kid winner for today, nominated by his uncle Tyler. Uh, uh, I should say, yeah, yeah, um, Tyler Vinson as the five-star kid. So when Tyler was uh, 16 years old, he woke up one morning and couldn't move his arms or legs. This is a, uh, a very, very compelling story here. So Tyler woke up that way. He was rushed to the hospital, then transported to Children's Hospital in Atlanta. He was diagnosed with GBS, with Jillian uh, Barr syndrome. Turned 17 in the hospital while learning to walk and use his arms, hands, and legs again. Uh, Don't you know that had to have been traumatic? He says he's worked so hard to get back to normalcy and even maintain that he will graduate with honors. What a great story. He says, uh, this is his uncle speaking here, saying, I've been amazed proud and inspired by this young man who's overcome so much i'm very proud to call him my nephew and family he is definitely deserving to be called a five-star kid so congratulations to tyler vinson on that Uh, he's been through a lot and this is one thing that reading stories like this tyler's story and and some of the others that we get you're always kind of overwhelmed by what's going on in our audience and there are good days there are sad days fun days hard days everything else in between and so many of you are are kind enough to let us be a part of that journey with you and so we love celebrating that in so many ways that's what our five-star kids promotion is all about you know uh, guys like tyler vinson here and, and and what he's been through and the fact that even facing tremendous adversity unbelievably traumatic situation has shown a lot of toughness and a lot of resolve and still telling a very good story with his life here throughout all of that that's a very inspiring story and so uh chris brown um uh congratulations uh to your nephew tyler vinson there on winning this award here today that is uh certainly incredible stuff and by the way speaking of our friends at kroger as so many of the folks in our audience with kids going back to school today in fact my kids had their first day of school here today so uh, i was very happy to send them off in style and of course that's always kind of an emotional type of thing and when you're getting sort of stocked up and ready to go for your own first day of school your kids first day of school whatever else our friends at kroger got you covered on all that whether it's lunchbox snacks school supplies everything else in between Kroger's got you covered on all of that. So check out your local Kroger on all of that today. Speaking of back to school has not been a happy situation necessarily for Gabe Harris, who had transferred in to Valdosta. This is a four-star edge rusher, UGA commit. Uh, Our our friends over at uh, uh, Georgia High School Football Daily have done some reporting on this. I'll show you this on the screen here. So uh, according to what GHSF Daily has kind of reported on this, Harris has been denied his eligibility uh, after transferring to Valdosta. And I guess the issue here is, according to the GHSA, which is the governing body and all this kind of stuff, 
that Harris did not make a like a true move, right? Like established new residents in the Valdosta uh, uh, city system district there and didn't really make a, an effective hardship claim for why he needed to make the move and, and be eligible there. So he's been denied that transfer. Now, he gets a chance to, I guess, uh, you know, appeal this and, and maybe he gets a chance to, ha- to ha- you know, have his eligibility restored. Although my understanding is based on their reporting is the eligibility appeal on this actually happens pretty late. So it'd be like right before the start of the season. So it's kind of a tough timeline on all of this. But for a guy that's of interest to Georgia fans, a UGA commit here right now looking at a loss of senior year, because according to like a new rule in place, the GHSA that if he's real ineligible at Valdosta, he can't go back to his old school either. And I guess that's a my understanding is that's a new rule that's in place based on kind of what happened last year with the quarterback who was ruled ironically also ineligible at Valdosta, end up going to Grayson. That it would be kind of a blanket sort of ineligibility kind of across the board to sort of correct what they thought was maybe a little bit of an imbalance from a year ago. So this is a little bit of a messy situation. It's not completely resolved. There is a chance to have Harris earn that eligibility through appeal. Uh, Todd Holcomb and the team over there doing good reporting on this. Uh, but for now, Gabe Harris is staring at what might be the loss of a senior year for him, wanted to be at Valdosta there. But as it stands right now, might not be able to do that, or at least based on the recent ruling from the GS ghsa won't be able to do that but he's trying to win that back on appeal so we'll follow that story and give you more details on that as the details become available check out dognation.com uh in the near future speaking of dognation.com by the way we're doing a really fun thing at dog nation when it comes to our friends at the atlanta braves i want to make sure you're aware of this it's first of all just kind of cool to sort of hear the voice of the fan and and dog nation we always want to present that voice and one of the ways we're doing this is our dog nation fan poll presented by the atlanta braves now we've been asking all kinds of questions last year was which players gonna have the best first year impact uh got over a thousand votes there on that which is really fun also our question here for this week at dognation.com is who is going to be georgia's toughest regular season votes and you've got like thousand people already voted on this there as well so you can weigh in let us know who you think georgia's toughest regular season opponent's going to be our buddy connor was on the show on tuesday he was kind of complaining about some of the choices for the question the other day so there's already kind of been a little bit of buzz around our dog nation fan poll with our friends at the atlanta braves but here's the real buzz around the dog nation fan poll and this is something you want to make sure that you're really aware of is that each week somebody who votes and then submits their email uh, after their votes cast has a chance when a family four pack of tickets to the atlanta braves here this summer so we've been giving these away that's been great and each week that we do the dog nation fan poll someone's going to win that family four pack of tickets with the atlanta braves you just got to sort of put your email in there and kind of register for your chance to win there on that so if you'll go to dognation.com you can find out more details on this you can express your opinion in our dog nation fan poll presented by the atlanta braves and just maybe you might also be a winner of a family four pack of tickets courtesy of the atlanta braves so hope you'll check all of that out today now one of the things that uh we love is the fact that dog nation just spreads far and wide and you never get tired of that and our golden shoe today is a celebration in honor of all that i got a great tweet sent to me here this week i want to show this to you on the screen uh christopher jester checking in to say the dog nation is everywhere even in the marginal neighborhood right there in new orleans at dog nation daily he tags me on that it's good to see the georgia flag flying right down there in nola of course new orleans the heart of sec country some of the best moments in georgia's program history have taken place right there 
in the Big Easy, and uh, a lot of dog fans living over there too, showing off those Georgia flags. This is also that time of year when a lot of these fan flags start being flown again, including the Georgia G. Boy, how good does that look in New Orleans? Good stuff. Christopher will make you a Golden Shoe winner for today. Lousy, stinking Gators. Their flags are not flying high because it's been a long time since they won a national championship. How about 4,956 days for them? And our Gator Hater Countdown. Good dog fans are Gator haters first and foremost. 86 days from right now. Georgia back in Jacksonville. Beating up on those Florida Gators again. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We will see you again tomorrow. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. We'll uh, take some of your comments here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section at DogNation.com. Uh, really good stuff in both comment sections. I will kind of read from here for a moment. Uh, TSD Dog on the subject of today's show on Twitter weighs in to say, I hope we discussed Nick Saban's stupid comments about his rebuilding year today. Boy, did we. He says, um... Uh, he says, you know, the four touchdowns that George scored in the national championship game were scored by freshmen. You think about Brock Bauer scoring his and Keely Ringo in the interception. Uh, of course, I guess, uh, you know, uh, you know, young players getting involved in, in this kind of stuff. Um, uh, A.D. Mitchell with the touchdown. You know, you have, you know, a good number of young players making plays for Georgia national championship game. Certainly the case of Mitchell and Bowers in those fourth quarter touchdowns for sure there on that. And he says, by comparison, uh, Nick Saban didn't have his freshman ready to play for Alabama. And there were certainly some examples of, you know, that kind of being true. And Saban's even kind of called out some of the guys that he didn't think were ready there for that game. So I think that's a good comment that, that you know, not only did Georgia sort of leverage veteran players last year for winning the national championship, but they also had young players ready for their first big time in the spotlight. And they more than thrived there as well. However, going back to yesterday's show, while it seems like the Twitter commenter there agrees with me, a guy named Pepin uh, who commented on the uh, post there at DogNation.com sounds like he disagrees, drawing in his mind a sharp contrast between the Ohio State wide receiver situation and the Georgia defensive situation. And I'm just simply not buying it. Basically, what Pepin says here is, is that it's absurd to think that Ohio State shouldn't be, if I'm reading this correctly, unanimously selected over Georgia uh, due to the unprecedented depth and the ability to regenerate that Ohio State has when it comes to its receivers and Georgia's inability to do that apparently after losing five first-round picks on defense. Now, let's make sure we understand the stipulations of this discussion. I am not saying that there isn't an argument in favor of Ohio State possibly winning the national championship. That's not what I'm saying, and not nor what I said yesterday. I'm just simply saying that it is eyebrow-raising when everyone is in unanimous agreement and literally anyone of note who does a either official preseason ranking or kind of one of these you know early power rating top 25 type things uh they're all going to have ohio state to georgia three it's the unanimous nature of that opinion i find to be baffling and i do not agree that somehow the ohio state receiver situation is proven something that the georgia defense hasn't yes ohio state's had great production uh from those guys and yes ohio state um has great talent waiting in the wings to step in for the guys uh you know who are no longer there that's all true but i would say that's no less true for the georgia defense there too that um i am more than happy to assume that while the ohio state offense will once again be among the nation's best and while the wide receiver situation in particular will once again be under the nation's best, 
when this season is done, my expectation is the Georgia defense will also once again be one of the nation's best. And losing five, five first-round picks is not insignificant. But Georgia, in a lot of these early mock drafts, if you take those seriously at all, is projected to have three first-round picks of its own right now. And that's before you start talking about, uh, you know, other other guys who kind of, you know, have a chance to thrive in expanded roles and things like that, that um, it is simply undue disregard to assume that somehow the Georgia defense is any less capable of uh, reloading itself than the Ohio State wide receiver situation is. If they played on the field, the Buckeyes might win. It is not invalid as an opinion to suggest Ohio State's going to be really good this year, perhaps even the best. But the unanimous agreement upon everyone who seemingly has a little bit of status blue check next to their name whatever else that georgia is just destined to obviously finish behind ohio state and alabama i don't believe there's any georgia fan that should go into the season assuming that has to be true and you know i, I do think when you look at the way in which the buckeyes are discussed and look at the way in which Georgia's is discussed i do think you see a little bit of an example and listen for whatever reason this is i do think you see a little bit of an example of let's give the benefit of the doubt to ohio state in a way that the benefit of the doubt's not being given to to uga and to the extent that everyone seems to feel that way i have no problem telling you i don't believe ohio state's earned that i simply don't but i appreciate the comment uh, and you can weigh in as well on uh, twitter at dog nation daily or in the comment section at dognation.com always a fun discussion we appreciate rs andrews for making it possible air conditioning heating plumbing and electric they show up on time they do the work that's promised the price that's promised you can trust them on all of that today if your water heater goes out in many cases they can replace it for you the same day you got to find them online though rsandrews.com have a great day we'll be back tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp and we'll look forward to talking to you then